0: Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And I'm
1: Adam Vingan, and I'm very tired.
0: <laughs> I was trying to explain to my wife, Adam. Uh, I was like, she goes, what time does the game start? And I was like, 830. And she goes, really? And I was like, yeah, kind of been this way our entire lives as Predators fans and Nashville natives when you watch hockey. Even if it's in Nashville, you're probably going to get the Western Conference start time. It's just part of the biz. Uh, Unfortunately, this one went into overtime, which was... The only
1: escape, by the way, from that start time is if the team is playing... Well, never mind. I guess...
0: If there's a a worldwide pandemic and they play in the Eastern Conference?
1: That was nice. Not the pandemic part. Um, That sucked. (laughs) And it continues to suck. But the... Yes. The... The redesigned rejiggered whatever you want to call it central division last season where they were playing the florida teams in carolina and every game was like 6 30 central because of the road games oh it was awesome
0: how wonderful was that (laughs) either either way so today on the show we'll get you ready for the preds coming back to bridgestone down 2-0, of course after an overtime game winner by kale mccarr which of course you could see coming from a mile away Not on that shot, but just the dam was going to break. The complete domination of the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, Listen, this is not a I told you so moment here. Uh, Obviously, Connor Ingram is the better goaltender. (laughs) Connor Ingram should have started. You wrote a great story uh, for The Athletic. I recommend everyone going to read it through the eyes of his parents driving all the way down, which you mentioned on the pod a couple of days ago, to see him make his debut in the playoffs, which he made 30 out of 32 saves. But this time, the, he, getting the start is different. He had to lie to his parents about at dinner, as you wrote in your story, that, that like he couldn't tell them because he knew they were going to... He had to protect them from themselves, basically. Um, and to go out and do what he did, giving up a goal real fast to Nathan McKinnon, going a million miles an hour down the wing, and it, frankly, is a goal he should have saved, uh, to then save like the next 48 in a row or whatever it was to to finish with the... I want to say the second highest saves by a rookie making his postseason debut like in the last like 20 years or something like that. I can't remember who the other one was. Uh, It was all over the PR, but just what an what an evening by Connor Ingram, Um, a a battle, a great hockey game. Overtime hockey is amazing. It's what makes hockey great, Adam. But at the end of the day, that was the Predators chance. I think that was their only chance. Uh, Yakov Trenin missed a wide open net. They missed a five on three to start the third period. They had their chance to get back in the series. Connor Ingram gave him every opportunity. And it just didn't happen. Colorado just too good. And they just came at him in waves and overtime and Nashville had no real answer.
1: So the, 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 excuse me. It's like I said, I'm very tired. The, <laughs> the stat that you're referencing comes from ESPN stats and info. It said, despite the loss, Connor Ingram's 48 saves are tied for the second most by a goalie making his first playoff start in the last 10 years. Ten years. Okay, sorry. Elvis Merzlikins in 2020 had more when he saved 49. Actually, I think there was a shot added to the Avalanche's total, so Ingram actually finished with 49 saves. Nice. Um, so he's tied with Elvis Merzlikins for that particular uh, per- per- particular particular so, stat.
0: So, so I, I I would argue it's it's okay. I, I we're all a little flustered this morning. Uh, I would argue that in this situation. Because it's Colorado, eight seed, one seed on the road against this level of offense, making your first career start, having not really played at all. Because some of those rookie goaltenders that are making their first postseason starts were starting in the regular season, right? So I, I, you could argue this is the greatest rookie goaltender performance in 10 years. Pretty easily, I would argue.
1: Oh, for sure. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think we are both in agreement. Um, we were both in agreement. That, that Connor Ingram certainly provided the Predators. This was before he started. When we were talking about who should start, um, we both agreed that Connor Ingram added an element of unpredictability. Um, you know, if it were up to me, uh, David Riddick would never play another game in the Nashville
0: Predators <laughs> sweater. It um, sounds it sounds so harsh when you say it, like the way you say it. But it's just sort of it's not personal, like you know. So if I, I I'm trying
1: to remember this off the top of my head. David Riddick allowed four, excuse me, five goals on 13 shots in Game One. Um, between Games One and Two, Connor Ingram allowed four goals on 82 shots.
0: But um, it, but it, but I thought it didn't make a difference, though, Adam.
1: Oh God!
0: <laughs> don't 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 say anything. Don't mention it. If you know, you know. Well, no. Let's move on.
1: <laughs> um. Anyway, so. You know, I, I think, you know, his performance last night, of course, was sensational. I would also like to give a shout out to Kale McCarr, who scored the game winning goal in overtime, who had 23 shot attempts in all situations. The <laughs> Predators had 35 as a team throughout the entire game. McCarr, according to Natural Statric, had 23 individual shot attempts, 12 shots on goal. Eight scoring chances. Um, you know the. You know I thought the first period went about as well as it could have. I, I thought the Predators, you know, played to their type of game. They got a goal from Yakov Trenin. I thought the quote unquote herd line was much more noticeable uh, last night than they've been in weeks, um, especially Trenin. He was all over the place um but after that point the avalanche outshot the predators 43 to 15 um, from the second period third period and partial overtime so there's that um shot attempts total (laughs) shot attempts total in all situations um Actually, I think I was wrong about the McCarr stat because I think I was looking at his stats individual at all situations in the Predators at five on five, but whatever.
0: Okay. Shot attempts S- still, were still a very lopsided performance. Kale McCarr versus the Predators.
1: Shot attempts were, according to Natural Stat Trick, one hundred three to forty five. <laughs> oh my god! Um, if you want, you have the, you
0: have the slot shots.
1: Well, that was Natural Stat Trick. So here are the numbers from here are the numbers from Sport Logic.
0: I want or, expected or, goals, offensive zone. I don't time have and, expected and slash- goals,
1: but I can tell you, I can tell you some of that because they don't put expected goals on their on their period reports. So I
0: think this was I think this was Sean Smith who tweeted this out, but a, a photo of the TV broadcast, and I didn't watch yeah. I didn't watch the Predators broadcast. Um 437 expected goals for Colorado, one three nine for Nashville. Sounds about right. Again, I think this is at the end of regulation, so don't quote me on this. Offensive zone time: eight fifty three for Colorado, four forty two for Nashville. Slot shots: twenty three for Colorado, slot shots eight for Nashville. And I thought that number was high for Nashville.
1: <laughs> Let's see. I actually, if you give me a second, I can pull. I can pull up all of that for you. Um, How much okay. vamping do
0: I need to do? Need me to you to don't do? need just, to do anything. Okay. All right. All right. Go ahead. Okay. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, <laughs> so to have that reaction just reading the numbers is not good. Oh my gosh. All right, so shot attempts
1: were, as I said, 108 to 43. God. Um, it says shots here were 46-26, but that doesn't seem right. Um, anyway, uh, slot shots here were 26-13 to in favor of Colorado. Ozone possession time was 10 minutes, 18 seconds to 5 minutes, 15 seconds in favor of Colorado. Uh, scoring chances were twenty nine to seven in favor of Colorado. Expe- right. Expected goals. This seems like a lot. I'm not sure how. I, I mean, I'm I'm not. You know, I love sport logic, but this seems high. They have the they have the Avalanche scoring two goals on six point zero nine expected goals, according to sport logic. Wow. Colorado should have scored six goals, and they well, only scored two.
0: Now, I will say, if they if they came out of regulation with a roughly four and a half expected goals. I think one and a half is just about right for that. For maybe that. that maybe those period. numbers
1: were. Maybe those numbers were regulation only. That might explain it.
0: That, no, that my numbers. That's what I'm thinking. I think my numbers were just at the end of regulation, which I said. Thanks for listening. Yeah. I think um, uh, I, if you add the minutes in overtime that that Colorado com- completely dominated. I mean, I can't, like it, it was one of those moments where you're watching a hockey game and you're going, "This is going to end soon. <laughs> like this huh. is this is only a matter of time. I hope you're prepared, and you just sort of prepare yourself for it." There were a couple of like brilliant shifts by Roman Yossi in overtime. Again, I think their, their their opportunity was in the third period. They had a five on three to start the third period for almost a full two minutes, and Yakov Trenin missed an empty net on a brilliant feed by Roman Yossi. And that's not a knock on Trenin because he played like, as you said, a, a really great game. They had no business winning this game, Adam. Let's just we can we can cite all the stats we want to: six goals expected, four and a half slot shots, danger, offensive zone time, whatever. Colorado completely dominated. I, I don't know. My my only question is how much do you think? the Predators defensive game plan changed to protect Ingram or was it just Ingram? Cause I thought there were a lot of saves where it was just Ingram doing the work.
1: Yeah. And that, and that did
0: it, not allow Nashville to attack more.
1: Yeah. I think they were just under siege for, yeah. for basically 45, 45 to 50 minutes of the game. Um, I thought the first period was pretty even. And then from there it was all avalanche and, and Connor did, uh, basically everything he could minus actually scored the puck himself. Um, but you're right to your original point. Um, I think that, um, I think that the, uh, the predators, this was their opportunity, you know, Connor Ingram put together one of the most brilliant performances in predators playoff history. And we've seen a few of those, um, from Pecorine and even some from UC Saros. Um, and you could probably even throw Dan Ellison there for one or two, I guess. I, I, think, the, um,
0: I think the record for saves by a Predators goaltender in a postseason game is Saros at like fifty-eight. So Connor Ingram wasn't far off.
1: Well, I think I think Soros had back-to-back fifty-plus save games in the playoffs yeah. last year against Carolina.
0: Yep, it was if the I double. The, it was the double overtime game, I think, where he right. saved fifty-eight shots.
1: So, you know, Ingram played amazingly. Um, you know, I think that. You know, it's interesting. It's like how you know it's it's going to be interesting to see how Predators fans feel this morning, because you know if you are if you are coming off of the the sting of the of the seven two loss, and you're thinking to yourself, you know this this team is going to get absolutely demolished, and then you see how they played on on Thursday, maybe that gives you a glimmer of optimism especially because last season the Predators were also down 2 nothing in the first round of Carolina after losing both road That's games true. and then came back to Nashville and tied the series. Um, then there's the other side of the, of the coin where, as you said, Connor Ingram did everything he possibly could to keep the Predators in a game that was so lopsided analytically in favor of the Avalanche and they could not get it done.
0: A- and so, they, and, they, and they didn't give up a power play goal like they right i don't think they did they gave, they they i think they killed all four no, or five penalties they did penalties. not give up
1: a power play goal so
0: the penalty kill kept them in the... Bl- they blocked a million shots too which was which is to your point about the 108 shots like i thought they played as well as they could have played considering the situation on de- on defense i would argue again uh, you know maybe they shouldn't have given up the the mckinnon rush or whatever but like I, that was yeah. not a good play by by jeremy Lozon. but no. then again
1: i mean nathan mckinnon makes so many people look foolish like like mckinnon does that to i know all-star defensemen you know but when you have jeremy Lozon, who is not an all-star defenseman and an all-star and a a non-all-star defenseman who just missed a couple of weeks because of a of a foot injury
0: yeah it well it wasn't even like that mckinnon like did some, what do they call him? Sick dangles. Like it wasn't even yeah. that he like, just, he's just fast as fuck. He, man. he like, didn't, I know he didn't undress him. It was just a terrible decision to pinch by Lozon. That was it. Like it wasn't even like, right. Complicated and, and, you and you can afford to do that. And
1: you can, and you can afford to do that. If it's like Logan O'Connor at the point, not Nathan <laughs> McKinnon. Right. You know, it's it, like, that's the worst thing that could have happened. And look, when, when, when McKinnon scored that goal, I think all of us watching were like, Oh no. Like this could this yeah, could be okay. bad, but Connor Connor held it together. So I mean, he look he's he's the story of the game. I I, I for, from a Predators perspective, obviously, I think Cal McCarr is the is the is the star of the Avalanche you, side. But uh,
0: yeah. can you correct me if I'm wrong? Are all Norris votes already in?
1: Norris votes were due on Monday before okay. the playoffs started.
0: Right. So the game winner. So, so <laughs> the, game the winner by McCar wouldn't shade wouldn't shade any votes, probably, right?
1: No, the outcome of the postseason has no bearing on the awards.
0: No, I, I understand that, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that, like you always say about Pecorino being a nice guy and being a good guy. Let's hope that gets him some Hall of Fame votes, even though it's not really tied to the Hall of Fame. Yes. Sort of the same thing. I was, I watched Kel McCarr score that goal, and I was like, I hope everybody voted by now, because <laughs> it's hard to like take that out of your brain once you see it, right? No, like 20- I mean,
1: I, honestly, I mean, I. I I don't know how it's going to go. My gut tells me that Makar is going to win the Norris. Yeah, I I yeah, think I it's going to be close, um, but I think Makar is is going to win the Norris. I think we talked about this previously that I think Makar is going to win the Norris, but Roman Yosi is going to get a hand is going to get a a heart, handful yeah. of hard trophy votes.
0: I I and think. Sure. Uh, no homer here at all. I think y- Yossi deserves it. I think Makar's going to win it. That that would be... You think Yossi
1: would- deserves the Norris, but...
0: Yeah. Okay. I think he does. But I don't think... And that's not a homer. You guys know... You guys listen to the show because we don't do that. that- that's the whole point of the show is to just sort of tell you-, tell you how we think it is objectively. And I do think Yossi deserves it. I think Tanner Janot deserves more consideration, although his last month of the season is going to really hurt his his chances at even like being on the ballot. Um, Let's wrap up the Connor Ingram thing. And then we'll move on to quickly another topic before we get onto week, uh, the weekend and what's coming up in games three and four. Um, Just, I I recommend everybody reading the story, especially if you're like me, I'm 39. You have a young child. I have a five-year-old daughter who I am now pitching to in T-ball, which is now become softball because my wife signed her up for the wrong league, uh, which is a hilarious story. But um, we just leveled her up. She'd never played before and watching her play like I, I literally was reading your story about Connor Ingram's parents and the whole drive and what they do and and all this stuff and they make the drive all the way down and they talked about walking into the arena with their arms and legs feeling like rubber which I thought was a really interesting quote from them, because it hit me really hard as a parent now whose child is beginning to like dabble in sports. And like the pride I see in like my five-year-old just getting better at like fielding grounders, something as simple as that. Like the it it allowed me to see into their world of what it would be like with a son who has gone through as much as Connor Ingram has gone through to be out there starting in a Stanley Cup playoff and then to win. Like I can't I I literally was like wobbling around my house, (laughs) like my reading that from you. So great work by you, but just it allowed me to see a glimpse of what it would be like if you're a parent with a child playing in such a monumental situation after overcoming all the things that he has. And I just, it's a, it's, it's a wonderful story and a glimpse into like the human side of, you know, high level athletics. And so I I just, good job by you. And great to just, I'm so happy for the family that the parents got to come down and that Connor's doing well and like all this other stuff. It sucks that they didn't, the predators couldn't finish the job, but um, the story gave me a a little glimpse into my future. Um, Even if it's just at like the high school level (laughs) or whatever, So you alluded good job, good to something
1: job. early on that I think is the best part of the story. So, so, um, Connor had dinner with his parents, Brent and Joni on Wednesday evening, the day between games one and two. And I spoke, so I spoke to them twice. I spoke to them Thursday afternoon before the game. And I actually spoke to them late Thursday night Friday morning after the game. And, um, So I think, I think I called them at like 1245 central. Um, So um, (laughs) this is how much he cares
0: about you. Predators fans.
1: Yes. So when I spoke to them in the afternoon and I said to them, did, did Connor, you know, did Connor, what did, first of all, Connor didn't tell. Yeah. Connor didn't tell them that he was starting. Um, But when I, when I asked them about that, he said, they said what they, when they were at dinner and they asked him about it, he said he didn't know whether he was going to be starting or not. He knew the whole time. Right. And exactly. he admitted that after the game last night because he did not want to make his parents nervous. So, <laughs> so, so awful. what I find is what I found funny is that Brent and Joni spent yesterday afternoon at a Rockies game and they found out online that Connor was starting because probably, they do not speak to him on game days.
0: Probably, Probably because of your tweets probably. She said,
1: I asked, I asked Joni specifically how she found out. She said it was either through the Predators website or my tweet.
0: Um, So how do you like to find out that your son is making his first ever playoff start, even though they probably had a pretty good idea, right? Like we all kind of knew. But how'd you like to find that out on Twitter from some beat writer?
1: I, I would like to. I would like to to credit Alex Doherty of A to C Sports who tweeted something to the effect of, "I guess Connor Ingram's parents were the only people in the world who didn't know that Connor would be starting." <laughs> right. To. right. Um, so so it, it,
0: we can we, again. We can move on. Great story by you, even if it is just like a short glimpse into sort of parenting and hockey and play. Like it's it was really well done, and I I even got like again I got a little weak in the knees thinking about what it must be like for a parent in that situation. So. Uh, as we can all only imagine, uh, unless there's a lot of you listening who are like parents of professional athletes, <laughs> so um, good stuff by you. Real quickly here, um, we were asked this on Twitter, and I, forgive me for not grabbing the name. I for, I forgot to grab it this morning, um, but somebody basically said in in regards to our rebuild conversation, mm-hmm. when we talk about like defining success or failure, and you and I have kind of had that debate a bunch, and and somebody said, well, why why is this? What why would this be? A, a positive step in the right direction if they've done all this stuff, they've accomplished all these things sort of to your argument and still can't are still getting blown out of the building by a team that's clearly better. And, and my argument back to that was like, who, who are the young, who who are the young core pieces that could become, and, and this is why I like this situation. I, I think there are, you always make the case that there's a, there's an established team here with a lot of veterans that have a lot of experience and there, there are some that do, it's sort of like a half and half. Half the roster is very experienced in the playoffs. The other half is extremely inexperienced in the playoffs. And the idea that Tanner Janot, Yakov Trenin, Ellie Tolvin, and Philip Tomasino, which he didn't play, of course, interestingly enough, Dante Fabro, UC Soros, now Connor Ingram, uh, Alex Carrier. Like, I think there is a core nucleus of players that are very young. Are any of them Austin Matthews? No, but they are a core. There's a core nucleus there that's the next generation of Predators players. And I think these are the the players that are learning from this experience And as long as the stars continue to be stars and the young players develop, then I think you're looking at a better team next year. And that would be my argument against the the counterpoint of like, look, they've accomplished everything they're supposed to accomplish. This team can't go any higher, which I think is the the argument there.
1: Yeah, it's tough because, look, there are younger players who are, um, I think, going to be... um, solid contributors for this franchise for years to come. Um we talked about Trennan, we've talked about Jano. um Tomasino, even though he didn't play last night.
0: Yeah, why why wasn't he playing last night? I mean I, they, I really they obviously know. played much better, so
1: uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's always interesting to me that Ellie Tolvinen goes from being scratched to playing on Ryan Johansson's line. I know. Um,
0: so strange. You know, With Cunning, the guy who's accomplished so much.
1: Yes, exactly. Um so so anyway um so here, here so
0: sorry here's the question uh this is at things underscore ninja
1: <laughs> oh i've um, muted and, I, i've muted and blocked him so i didn't see this question. Oh, okay
0: so he said braden i've kind of lost the thread on the competitive rebuild aspect of this team what are the hopes that they'll be better next year based on duchene is 31 forsberg is not signed Fabro and carrier don't look great Tolvin in as a playoff scratch what are we looking forward to And my, and i said great question the young core, Soros, Fabro, Carrier, Janot, Trenton, Tomasino, Tolvin, and Cunning can take over and grow and improve. And then the stars, which in the NHL, 31 is not the same as, as it is in the NFL. Like hockey players play till they're like 37, 38. Like it's crazy how old. I mean, we're talking about Forsberg signing a seven or eight year deal. He's 26 years, 27 years old. That's into like age 35. That's a seven year window for Forsberg. So, I think the idea is, is that Yossi Duchesne, Johansson, Forsberg have lots of years still left, maybe three or four or five, and then you've got this core of young players. And um so I think that that's that's the argument. I'm not suggesting that it's correct or right or wrong. Trennan, I think, proved on Thursday night that he belongs, that he's a he can be a difference maker in the postseason, right?
1: I think yes. I think the problem that the that the that our listener is is alluding to, and I think a lot of people are having this conversation, including us the last time we talked, was yeah, Trenin, Trenin is a solid player. He's a solid middle six player. But Yakov Trenin is not the next generation of Predators star, or I don't know how to say it. But he, He's
0: not Matt Duchesne or Philip Forsberg.
1: Right. I mean, like, there's not, you know, there there's not someone coming. I mean, look, there are nice prospects, you know, c- perhaps coming in the future. You know, Yaroslav Askarov is now with the Milwaukee Admirals, the, the number one. You know the the fir- first round pick goaltender from a couple years ago. Luca Evangelista is a, a a high scoring forward in junior hockey. There are players who could be that, but there's no. Like I used the example of Boston the last time we talked. Like I know there's no, I
0: know you're right you're yeah, right.
1: There's no David Pasternak. There's no Charlie McAvoy. So that's that's the problem. Is there's not there's not that one guy. You know you look at you look at Minnesota for example like Kirill Kaprizov like. There's no there's no one like that waiting in the wings for Nashville, which is why I think it's hard to get excited for some people about the future of this organization when the stars are entering or exiting their primes.
0: Well, I well, this, this, get, this brings us to Forsberg, which obviously would have been nice to see Philip Forsberg do something on Thursday. Would have been a great time for him to take over a game and have one of those Philip, Philip, Philip Forsberg moments. He's had... A pretty, I don't want to say rough stretch, the last month and a half of the season, but um, you know this is the this is the concern with giving him so much money is that he has these little spells where you go, where where is he? And Forsberg would, was really not a factor that much on, on Thursday evening, where they really desperately needed him to be the Austin Matthews guy in that moment, right? Like they really needed him, and I still think at his age he can still be that guy for them, th- that sort of number one star for them because they don't really have a better option. Um, but I think this is why he's not Austin Matthews and Pasternock and Conrad David and all these things. That's why he's a second tier guy nationally. Um, and that that's a concern that has to be fixed. They, they need somebody to take over in game three. Like if they want to have any hope of even just creating a gentleman's sweep, if they even want to get through game four. Now I had him in six, I would drop, I would drop that down to five. I've, I think your prediction of Colorado in five is probably right. Are there any adjustments you want to see in game three at Bridgestone? I think being at home will certainly help. um, Uh, you know, don't rush UC Saros back. You know, I don't know. It was at the one time Connor Ingram can deliver that type of performance. And now we're going to see what, what it looks like to play a rookie goaltender after you've studied him for a game. I I don't know what to expect in game three, honestly.
1: Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. Um, You know, I, I'm going to still stick with my, my prediction of, of Avalanche in five. You know, I was reminded of this last night. I think this has been a topic of conversation in many Predators playoffs of recent memory. But it's amazing to me that in franchise history, the Predators have never won a playoff series in which they lose the first game.
0: Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> um,
1: so, um, yeah. I, I mean, I, it'd be nice for them to actually get some sustained offense. Um, but... You know, I, it's going to be hard for them to keep up with the avalanche. I think we saw that. Yeah, I yeah, mean, Connor Ingram's going to have to put – Connor Ingram should not be expected to put together the same type of performance. You know, he needs help from his teammates.
0: Well, let's, uh, let's hope he is buoyed by the Bridgestone crowd. Let's hope the rest of the team is buoyed by the Bridgestone crowd. I don't understand the Tolvin and Tomasino movements that they're making here. If you need offense, you need offense. I get it that they were on the road. Maybe at home, John Hines deploys a different strategy. We'll see. Uh, I, I think they take one out of two, Adam. I think if we were to get together on on Tuesday morning, right, Saturday Monday, right, and um, yes. if we get together on Tuesday morning with a recap um, of these two games, I think that the series is three one heading back to Colorado for Game five. That would be my that would be my guess. Um, and I think Ingram starts both games. I think one of them is not going to be very good. I think asking him to continue and repeat that is 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 a is a heavy that's a heavy lift in my opinion. So yes, but I think he's going to play another really good game. And I don't know which one. And I think they'll win one. But that would be my prediction. You got where are we on Monday mo- On uh, Tuesday morning.
1: I think it'll be three one.
0: Yeah. I think and, it'll be three one. And maybe Luke Cunning gets less ice time, and Philip Tomasino gets more. Who knows?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, maybe. Uh,
0: all right, man. Uh, good stuff, dude. Really good piece on Connor Ingram's parents. Um, that's why you pay for good journalism at the Athletic. By the way, we didn't even mention this. Go to Jasper's. By the way, we didn't even mention Jasper's on the show today. That's total failure on my part. This is as, as I failed as much as the Predators' offense failed. On, uh, mm. on Thursday evening, the power play. How about that? The, the vaunted greatest power play in franchise history has a five-on-three on the road to win a, a playoff game and steal one. And gives up a two-on-one shorthanded chance. And, and didn't even have a good chance. And, <laughs> like, and gave up a shorthanded two-on-one. I know. Go, go to Jasper's, everybody. Great happy hours. Free parking, all that great stuff um i was so disappointed watching because i was like they're not going to get a chance here are they <laughs> like it was so, it was so predictable uh i hated every second of it uh adam uh people can follow you where on the twitters at adam bingen as always there you have it uh go give uh, go give that baby some love all right, <laughs> all right <laughs> Go, well, go yeah. give that baby some love uh we'll be back of course recapping the weekend uh for adam bingen my name is brayden gall go to jaspers everybody thank you guys all for hanging out uh, let's hope we we talk under better circumstances next time We talk because uh, games three and four, big time stuff here for the Preds. They got to get a win over the weekend. Uh, So enjoy the weekend. We'll talk to you guys next week. This has been the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network.